Hi everybody, welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. Hope you guys are ready for a good message today. I want to share some things with you that I know in my heart is going to speak to your spirit. I know, because we're all connected. We're all interconnected as a household of faith. Whether you're young or old or in between, we are all of the household of faith. And so I really want to just get going. I want to get started and I want to let living waters flow. And I'm going to pray right now. And I prayed before, but I'm going to pray with you because as time is getting closer and closer to the coming of our Lord, the enemy is really doing a number on all of God's saints to wear them out. But I tell you, they that know their God, they that know and put their trust in him, know that he stands on our side and he will deliver those that put their trust in him. Our faces that look unto the Lord will be lightened. They'll never be ashamed and never means never. And that means ever. So father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for another day that I can come in your name for I come in the name of the Lord and in your name, I lay myself down and in your name, Jesus, I commit and devote this entire message to you, for it is from you and it is of you, for from you and through you and to you are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I ask that you will go before me, that you will go before all my thoughts, all the thoughts of my heart, every word that I will speak and that I would, you would move out in front of me. I would remove myself from the front and go into the back and I will follow you, Jesus. And I ask you to bless every hearer, Lord God, and that you will block the powers of the enemy that would try to overtake or overwhelm or distract or hinder or do anything, Lord Jesus, that would keep people from hearing this word. And by the way, Lord, I put my tongue in your hands. I put my mouth in your hands and I give you myself completely and ask that your voice will be heard the way you cause people to hear it by your spirit, even though it's just me talking. So I take, pray you take this fallible and imperfect earthen vessel and that Lord living waters will flow forth from it. And Jesus, I thank you and I bow before you and I exalt your holy name in this place. And I declare you to be the king forever and ever. King past, king present, king future, the one which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to speak to you guys today about a few things. And one of the major things is major. One of the things I'm going to begin with is, um, you know, we, we are at the end, okay? We all know we're living in the end times. We don't need to watch a thousand videos with a thousand demonstrations to know of ourselves that this is the end. Even Paul the Apostle even says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, For of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write these things again unto you. For ye yourselves know perfectly that the Lord cometh again like a thief in the night. So, you know, those of us that are paying attention to the times and seasons that we're in, we are alive in Christ 
our lives are hid with Christ in God. And Christ is in us by his spirit, the Father and the Son, by way of the Holy Spirit. And he lives and dwells in us so that he can keep every one of us connected to him. And, you know, I thought about the words that I read about Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians 4, 1, I'm going to begin here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where which you are called. But I want to hone in. And he goes in to talk about being lowliness and meekness and all these things. Christian conduct, which has to be worked out in the common daily stream of life, in the common life. And and the part that sticks out to me is that, at, at, you know, in, in the heights and plains of our everyday common life, the Bible shows common life in the Bible. We see the beginning of man. We see the end of mankind and the end of the wicked, but we see the righteous going on into the eternity of eternities. But I'm talking about the fact that Paul the Apostle, he he calls himself a prisoner. Now, we know that he wrote a third of the epistles. They're, they're prison prison letters. And yet we are receiving instructions from a man sitting in a prison. He's showing us how to walk with all meekness and lowliness of heart, esteeming others better than ourselves. He talks about the love of God. He talks about, I mean, he it's, it's just amazing because the glory and the wonder of the last verse of Ephesians 3, he speaks about the love of Christ and the fullness of God, you know, where he says, um, for God shall do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. And then the very next verse, Ephesians 4.1, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner. I, Paul, the prisoner. Not I, Paul, a title, one of the apostle. Though he does call himself an apostle. But he looks at himself as the least of the apostles and least than the less. Less than the least. Because how it goes. And a, he says, he even says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That God has come into the world to save, save sinners of whom I am chief. But he keeps himself low because I believe he had a, his revelation of Jesus Christ was the best thing that could have ever happened to him to set him on a course. Because when you really think about everything that we learn in the New Testament, in the letters to the churches, almost all of it is from Paul. And a great number of those letters are from a man, Paul, in prison, who had no freedom. He couldn't do anything. You know, I don't have to tell you what prison life is, but it was worse back then. But he calls himself the prisoner of the Lord. And I know that many of us, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with my life. When I say us, I'm saying generally speaking, okay? So please don't try to read into something I'm not saying. Because with all of us, we're going to find at times that there are strange limitations in our lives, our whole life in working with Christ and walking with Christ and running our race all the way home to heaven. And sometimes 
or probably all the time we we suffer we we find ourselves we experience frustration inabilities and even chains chains i know many of you you write to me i hear from a lot of people or i read stories or i read testimonies from from yesteryear the yesteryears of people that were so powerful for the lord even little men women and children through the centuries stories written about them fox's book of Mar- martyrs there's other martyrs books out there from antiquity i've had the pleasure of reading some of those stories and and there were absolute limitations complete incapabilities and chains and we live in this modern day society where everything you can have you want and there's been more complaining now than ever but there is legitimate complaining paul the uh, king david said that he poured out his complaint unto god um a lot of you and a lot of people i think a great a great majority of people um can honestly say that they that there is a um a persecution right in their own homes you could be a roommate and you could even work at a place where the money is good you're thriving on it but every day is an experience of your name being cast out as evil and you know i i say that because as we get closer and closer to the end the end is sticking out standing out to us far more now than it did with our grandparents though mine were not saved many of yours might have been but others i'm not saying anything has to do with me i don't want to even speak about myself but you know even from the very beginning Paul the apostle Jesus we'll start with Jesus there is always a talk about the end and now here we are and it seems now not even seems it is that everybody seems like those that are truly truly persevering in the Lord maybe that's you you've been persevering for 15 20 30 50 years and it just keeps getting harder and harder and harder but this is something that seems to be the lot of those that follow the lamb and there's a lot of people right now that i have read whose home lives are a disaster i mean the stories just crush my heart and i look at that as a demographic like if that's happening to them then i'm saying thousands and thousands are experiencing the same thing because right now there's been so many changes in our world that are fronting off you know coming against the believers that are having to make choices that are having to stand i'm talking economically medically um things that they have to stand up even in their own home you know with mandates and things like that the houses are being split in two because one spouse wants the children to receive the poke and people are fighting like they have never fought before against each other and that is exactly what the enemy 
is aiming for. You know, I was thinking about the scripture that says in 1 Kings twenty two thirty one when Jehoshaphat went to war with Asa. And when they went out to war with Asa, Aram, king of Syria, commanded his 30 and two captains that had rule over his chariot, saying, fight neither with small nor great, save only the king of Israel. You see, as we get closer to the end, the enemy doesn't have a fight with lukewarm believers. He doesn't have a fight with your godless friends and neighbors. He doesn't have a fight with them. He has a fight with you. He has a fight with me. He has a fight with everybody who is a persevering saint. You know, I was listening to Spurgeon and he was saying in it that, um, I was listening to a sermon. He was saying that he knew a man during his father's era. He said, this man was in the church for 60 years and the man was a preacher. He was a minister of the faith. And, and so he was telling a story. He said, what I know about him is that as a young man, God called him into the ministry to preach. But before that, he was loved by everybody and everything was going great and fine with him, even as a believer. But as soon as he took on ministering, he became uh, the focus of mockery. He became the focus of attacks, verbal slander. And every kind of mean thing that can be done to him, but he remained consistent. He just kept showing up and showing up. He just kept studying and he went through a lot of heavy trials, a lot of heavy trials. But according to Spurgeon, he just stayed consistent. He didn't preach a different gospel. He didn't try to all of a sudden take on some new marketed, new merchandised uh way of the word he just stayed consistent with the pure doctrine of the word and never changed and was always faithful to Jesus Christ and he grew he told Spurgeon's grandfather he said in all those years as in, as in his 80s he says as a young man I had to grow through all of that through all the verbal abuse and the attacks but he said it was hard he said but I, I'm now 80 in my, whatever age it was, he was in his 80s. And he said um, he had absolute joy, like he was alive because he met the end of the righteous. And so Spurgeon said, see this man, he outlived every one of his mockers. He outlived the scourge of tongues. He outlived the scorn of evil people. And he endured because he saw him who was invisible. And this race that we are in, it is a war. But praise the Lord, Jesus Christ is on your side. He is on your side. Look at Psalm 18, verse 6. David praised the Lord that he would not fear what man can do unto him. Because he said, the Lord is on my side. You know, we read about so many people in the Bible. You know, they, they sin. They come back to Christ. They sin. They fall. And this race is, the, is, is a tough race. I, I'm going to say it is a hard race. And, you know, a lot of times we look at the youth and we say, well, look at the young people. They're all over the place. 
they're they're slipping, they're falling, they're doing this and that. But when you look at the Bible and you read the lives of the people, it's always it's typically the people that are in the, their old age that fell at the end. And it was the young people that are spoken of that sinned. And a lot of them came back to God. And we have to let everybody run their race. This is a hard race. And, but see, the race is that the race that you and I are on, all of us are on, it's that same path of life that we're going on. And so the enemy is going to fight neither with small or great, but he has sharpshooters. He knows you. He knows that you're committed. He knows he can't hear your thoughts. No way. He doesn't know what you're thinking, but he guesses what you're thinking. He knows where your heart is after. He knows who you love more than your own life. He knows what your heart intention is because he sees you act it out every day. When somebody's scourging you with their tongue or they're falsely accusing you and you still maintain your integrity, he is watching because you see all the things that we are doing. You know, for instance, it says that no man is justified by his works, but by his faith, right? But to this world, we're justified in the eyes of this world. We're justified in the eyes of this world that we are the children of the most high God. That there is a difference between the profane and the holy, between the clean and the unclean, between the righteous and the unrighteous. And it's not hashed out in a ministry or a pulpit because everybody, the majority of people on the earth live ordinary lives. But this is where we live our life and this is the war that we're in. And you know, the other day I was... I noticed something like in the atmosphere of my home about three days ago, four days ago, I started to notice something about the enemy. I saw, I, I saw something like go by me and I've seen that before. And I just said, hold on a minute. I said, Jesus, in your name, if what I saw was the enemy, then I come against that spirit and I ask you to send it out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the next day, some odd things happened around my house. And I was like, really? Like, that's pretty overt to be in my house and doing that. But you see, the enemy is a contender. He, he, and I'm not calling myself a king. I'm not saying I'm anything. But he knows that the greater is he that is in me is he that's in the world. So his war is with Jesus Christ, the God of glory that lives within me. And his war is with the Lord in you. So when you think about who's going to win this war, the enemy better think again. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. See, he's on the outside trying to get inside. He's the God of flesh. He's the God of this present evil age. He is judged. His kingdom now stands doomed. So what he does is maybe you, you're you a roommate. Maybe you work at a, a place where everybody's godless. I've worked at a place where every single person in the employee pool was evil. And I could feel those spirits in them coming around me in them. And I could feel the presence of the Lord. And I can see their face. And I can see even a spirit flash up from time to time on certain people's face. I could feel hate coming from people I never even knew for five minutes that I worked with that had a hatred for my life. 
but I understood where that hatred was coming from and who their father was, small f, and what king they were fighting for and from what kingdom they were from. And the advantage that I held was the knowledge of that. Now look, the enemy will contend with you because he sees that you're committed, but he's also trying to wear you out. See, let me say something. The enemy knows he cannot kill you. He, the enemy knows a lot of things he cannot do, but he will do this. See, he's going to contend. He's going to attack your commitment to Christ. He's going to attack your devotional time with Christ. He's going to attack your prayer life with Christ. He's going to attack and use people around you that you love, but they're maybe they're lukewarm believers, but they're like a city that is not, they're not guarding the walls or their, their spirit has no control, right? Of their own body. They're like, they're like an open city and the enemy comes in and entices them and whispers to them and even empowers them, whispering to them like fishing. See, Satan has to tempt them to see something wrong with you, to feel something they don't like about you, something that they feel is that they want to say or to hurt you. But I'll tell you this much. See, the enemy knows those sharpshooters of Satan. He has specialists. Just like in our military, there are men that are special forces. The enemy has his special forces. And the special forces just don't go out against a brush fire incident. They're sent into the most sensitive places that will take ultra skill from men that if you've ever watched any of those special forces training special ops training it's there it's incredible but see the enemy is in a, a battle to win and you are going to win you know i was also thinking about um again talking about the end you know jesus says he that he that will endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And, you know, that can be taken and that is taken because we know that he says that um, in uh, chapter 24, of Matthew, and he's talking about the end of the very end of the last half of the three and a half years of the tribulation. But let me say something. There's many of you, including me, that our endurance has everything to do with our perseverance. And our perseverance, we're not left alone to persevere. You're not left alone to persevere. It's not on you. You better get up. You better do this because there's going to be time where God wants you to rest and maybe the enemy won't let you rest. You know, I'll tell you this. Let me just pause this thought. When I felt the enemy come in those three days, by the third day, the enemy was attacking me royally. And even though I stood against it those three days, because on the fourth day he came in, that I I had to work at pushing him off of me. I had to work at it. And even today, I can still feel it. You know what I thought? I've prayed to the Lord. I've sought for God's security around me, his presence. I know is, is real. I don't have to feel it, touch it, taste it. See, I don't have to do that. I walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm here today to tell you where you are at. Even if you do not feel the presence of the Lord, even if you cannot sense him or hear him, believe this, that Jesus Christ is with you right now. 
He purchased you and he's going to make sure that you are not overwhelmed by your enemy. He will see to it. You know why? Because he's the author and finisher of your faith. He is your defender. He is your deliverer. He is your redeemer. And you know what? When we were younger, we would say words like, well, you're my defender. You're my deliverer. But when you get old like me and people older than me, you experience the very, very reality of what that means. You know, I was thinking something about uh, what William Gurnall said. And I was reading this and I wrote it down, typed it out. I want you to hear this. I thought, I'm going to read this to them. Listen to this spoken by William Gurnall from his book, The Christian in Complete Armor. It's called Losing the World's Love by William Gurnall. When we lose man's love, we gain God's blessing. Blessed are ye when men shall say all manner of evil against you, falsely, for my name's sake. God's providence is a perfect roof over our heads to defend us from the storm of man's rage. But it is a different story when a saint is caught in sin and gives the ungodly opportunity to speak evil of him. Man reviles, God frowns. His word does not open its shelter then to hide you from the assault of reviling tongues. But when the wicked hate you for your holiness, God is bound by promise to pay you love for their hatred and blessing for their cursing. Can we ever complain about man's disrespect when obedience and holiness advance us to a higher place in the king's favor. When we lose the world's love, we gain reverence and honor. The people who will not love you because you are holy cannot help but respect and fear you for that same reason. But every time you give up a little holiness to gain false love from sinners, you forfeit the reverence which their conscience secretly paid to your life. Poverty and low class in society cannot make you contemptible as long as you keep on the breastplate of righteousness. Majesty can reign in a holy heart even when it's dressed in rags. For instance, the righteousness of David commanded reverence from Saul, and the king paid homage to his exiled subject. He wept and said to David, Thou art more righteous than I. And this is as... And this is as it should be. Carnal men must admit that they are overpowered by the holy lives of saints. And this shall happen as you behave in that distinctive and singular manner called for by God, doing things that even the best of our unbelieving neighbors cannot do. You know, there is a quote from... Napoleon, he said, conquest is what has made me, and it is conquest that will sustain me. And in God, his conquest in for your life and mine will ever sustain us, because it can never be said that God took his hand off the soul of one of those that he shed his blood for 
and paid for his life for. Of all that has been given unto Jesus by the Father, none shall be lost. And that means you. And the way you demonstrate your life in the face of hail, a hail of hellfire from the enemy, those are only to be quenched by the shield of your faith. Jesus says, just hold it up. And Jesus Christ will do the rest. You see, I think of the words in Psalm 30, verse 12. For thou, at 30, verse 11 and 12, it says, For thou hast put off from me sackcloth and ashes and has girded me with garments of salvation. And, all, and then he says, uh, in another place, he says, To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not keep silent. See, the end of the righteous, that there is an end, whether we die here or whether we go home to be with the Lord and go, go home to be with the Lord in the rapture or wherever your eschatology leads you, even if you don't believe in it and you live out your life and I live out my life, we can rest assured even now, no matter what it feels like, that there is a God in heaven who dwells in the presence of God for us. It says, Paul, uh, John even says this in 1 John 4, 9, for God has not... Uh, does not dwell in heaven made uh, in holy places made with hands, but in which is a figure of the true, but in heaven itself. Now, meaning right now, to appear in the presence of God for us. He is our propitiation. He stands in the presence of God for you. I want to repeat something a brother said to me one day. Some of you have heard it, some of you are not have not, so... I'm going to say it again. Um, there was this brother I love very much in the Lord. He had an awesome testimony. And I won't get into his testimony, but he said this. He said after the Lord delivered him and he was walking in his faith. And, you know, his life was still very hard. He'd gotten out of prison. He was working and trying to put his life back together. And he joined a church and he was spending time after work in prayer. And I mean, he was just such a man is I'm sure still a man after God's own heart. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, Joni, there was one time I was in prayer and I had a vision of his throne. And I said, you did, what did it look like? And he said, while I was praying, I had a vision and immediately, immediately I saw myself stand in this beautiful country. He said, Joni, it was not like anything here on earth. He said, but I saw myself standing there. He said, and I saw this big mountain and I saw the throne of God flying over it, over the mountain. He said he went like this and he watched the throne in the air go over him. And he said, then the scene changed and he saw himself standing adjacent to the throne. He goes, I was looking at this throne and Jesus was seated on it. And I saw a man come to him and the Lord asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, it's okay, Lord, you, you don't have to do much for me. I, I, I don't really need a whole lot and I don't really want to ask you for anything. And he said, I, he noticed that. As the man was saying that to Jesus, that God, that Jesus's face looked disappointed, that he he was disappointed that that man was discounting himself, his his heart's desires. And he went away. He said, next thing, another man came and stood before the Lord and the Lord said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Lord, I want everything. 
I want everything from you. I want you to give me everything that you want me to do. I want you to give me everything. I think I said that right. And he said, the Lord, all of a sudden, he said, he noticed that Jesus's face was so happy looking. And I never forgot that. And I want to tell you that, that, you know, we, 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 I don't even know if it's the case of some people losing sight or, or losing something, or maybe you've never realized it before. And no, God's not up there to help us win the lottery. And no, he's not up there to help us, you know, do things. But I'll tell you something. When a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies live at peace with him. God will place upon that man great honor and favor in the sight of everybody. Um, when that man holds on to his cleanliness, as Job says, he goes stronger and stronger. And so when when I heard that, I began to go to Jesus and say, God, forgive me for just asking you for a little bit. I said, Jesus, I leave the interpretation up to you. I pray you give me everything. I want everything that you want to give me for the glory of your name. I want everything. And you know, there was such a joy in praying that. I didn't come with a list. I don't want to come with a list because he will do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. That means believe God, believe God. You see, it says here in, uh, when I'm talking about the end, because there is an end and Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's the author and finisher. He's going to see to your end. The end of the righteous is blessed. You see, the enemy wants to accuse you from the time you started on your race and you're stumbling and falling on the, on the way. But it's how you finish your race as a conqueror. And it says, Paul says here in 3.13 of uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, we'll start at verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. You see... God has an increase. See, the NAR community takes that word and says, God wants to make you a billionaire. He wants you to have the big house on the hill. God wants you to have expensive cars. He wants to line your pockets, but it never says that anywhere in the New Testament. But when you come to God and you say, Lord, I want to increase with the increase of God. I want to be grow in the grace and knowledge of, of God. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the will of God. I want to abound yet more and more in his love. And not a feeling kind of love where I choose who I dispense it out to or dole it out to or withhold. Because I believe withheld love is dangerous. In fact... I remember something um, a sister wrote to me one day and it was so good. I hope I can find it. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, maybe I won't be able to find it. So I'm not going to press the issue here because I'm not going to try to search for something. Um, here it is. This woman wrote to me. She said, my father never, 
she said, I was never close with my, my father was never close to his father. Something that disturbed the entirety of his life, as it seems that a love withheld becomes more compelling and hurtful than a love poorly expressed. So much is the need for a child to be loved by a parent. In this case, my father's need for his father's love. And I think that if we truly knew how much we're loved, that if you truly knew how much you are loved, then you can rest in his love. It says in Zechariah 3.9, it says that the Lord will rejoice over you. He will sing over you. He will rest in his love. You see, this is a war. This is a fight. And yes, the enemy is going to point his arrows and they're going to be on fire. And he's going to do everything he can to hinder, deceive, destroy, tempt, revile, all these things. But even the devil knows one thing. He knows it for sure. That you are a child of the household of faith. He knows that you belong to Jesus Christ. And he knows that he can use things events, circumstances, and people all around you so that he can cast you down because he's cast down, but you're not cast down. And in fact, you're lifted up. You're lifted up because Jesus says that you are raised. Paul says it, that you are raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all of Satan's power. So I want to encourage you, do not fear. You know, it says in Jeremiah, thus saith the Lord, cursed, and that word cursed means miserable. Be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be, the outcome of that is, he'll be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. So we see here that it's making flesh the arm that we that we lean upon, that we work with, in which we hope to work. And our that's our point. And his arm is the arm under which we shelter ourselves and on which and whom we depend for protection. God is his people's arm. You know, it says, blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I'm going to leave you with something. I was reading, I was listening to what Spurgeon was saying about um, his father his grandfather, and he was preaching a sermon. And he said, just a few hours ago, um, my grandfather passed away. And he spoke about him being this beautiful man that preached the word all the way until the end, until he couldn't preach it anymore. And as he lie in bed, like the other man I was telling you about, he said, he lie there. He said, he lay there. He said, and the light of heaven was upon his face and his words were full of joy and he was happy. And he knew his work was done. And, you know, he went on to say that um, his grandfather spoke about the assurance of eternal life 
his promises being true, his faithfulness being solid as a rock. He spoke about it as a man who knew it, as a man who knew it fully ripe, like a shock of corn in his season. And when, and that man went home and his final words expressed who, how great Jesus is and that his ways are immovable and that he is evermore and shall always be the ruler of all creation and your God. Again, that's your end, but you have to persevere, but you're not persevering alone. The Lord is with you and he will see to it that you will outlive your enemies and you will outlive the scorn and the mockery and the cursing and the malevolence and the accusing as well as all the enemy because you see the enemy has an end too in the lake of fire and we have an eternal end that is the beginning of the endless life so stand up straight god is with you and though satan says fight with neither small nor great save only with the person i'm speaking to we saw the end of what happened to that king and our end is blessed okay so i hope that encouraged you today because if Jesus is, if we are cast down, Jesus told me one day, last thing, I keep saying last thing, but one day I was so burned out from a battle and I, I cried out, I cried out and said, Jesus, I can't war anymore. I am cast down. I screamed it out. And immediately I heard him in my heart say, if you are cast down, then I am cast down. That's not possible.